So yeah, like my worst nightmare just came true. I came down and was standing here getting ready to come up. And unfortunately, I think I shocked the girl standing next to me. Like, who's this 65-year-old guy creeping on us here at Collective tonight? Uh, so I was going, no, I got a microphone. I'm, I'm speaking tonight, right? But it was really cool. I said, how are you doing? And she said, being here really helps. And that's really cool to hear that because we've all got motivators. You all are here tonight because something motivated you to come. It could have been as simple as somebody just inviting you. It could be because you do get something spiritually while you're here. Or it could be that you're just checking it out. And I'm motivated to be here because I hope that something that I say tonight touches you. I hope that something tonight moves you because of my past, because I didn't uh, become a pastor the easy way. I got here the hard way and had some hard knocks along the way, and so I'm going to be sharing some of that with you. And so I just want to talk to you guys tonight about just some motivators in our life that can be healthy and some that aren't so healthy. These things can have a small effect on the way you do life. They can have a huge effect on how you do life. Sometimes for a short period of time, sometimes for maybe the rest of your life if you don't deal with stuff properly. We have emotions, we have feelings, and they get the best of us sometimes. They drive us. Fear. During this whole pandemic thing, fear has become such a huge motivator of how we do things, how we live, where we go. Anger. Something may have happened to you at some time and you struggle with just anger because possibly of unforgiveness. Hurt. Somebody did something to you maybe when you were little. Somebody you dated, a parent, left you, made you feel unwanted and hurt you and that's a, that affects the way you do life. But one of the strongest drivers, one of the strongest things that can motivate us is shame. I was talking to my psychiatrist today, Dr. Wes. I, I tease him, I call him my shrink. And it's been really healthy for me to talk through some things with him. And so I said, hey, Dr. West, give me, give me something. Give me a quote for these guys tonight. I want to I motivate them. I want to talk to them. So as, as a psychiatrist, what would you tell them? And he said, shame amplifies and magnifies any condition that you're already struggling with. Think about that. The shame you feel for the thing you're struggling with the shame motivates you and drives you to what you're struggling with even more. It feeds on itself. Shame is powerful. It can impact our behavior in all kinds of ways. It certainly has played a huge part in my life. And the enemy still tries to use it. He still tries to use shame to try to motivate me to think negative things. Let me say from the get-go here, I know some of you, shame has possibly been brought on by someone else, by something that has been done to you. And I want you to know that I understand that and I hear that. So a lot of what I'm saying is not directed at you. It's going to be directed more at us dealing with shame because of our behaviors that we do to ourselves. 
If you would, just do me a favor and entertain me a little bit. Turn, take out your phones. Make sure they're on. And there's going to be a number come up. That's my phone number. If you would, put that in your phone. Under texting, I'm sorry, go to your text. Put that number in for a text. And then type the word yes. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to protect your neighbor and the anonymity of everyone here. And so if you have struggled with shame in your past, would you please send yes to me? My phone's blowing up. Now do me another favor. Act like you're doing this to protect your neighbor. If you're not doing it, don't, you, know, you don't have to hit sin. Just act like you're doing it. If you are struggling with shame and the burden of shame tonight and presently in your life, hit send. Yes. They're still coming in. This is something that is so common. And it's this, my phone is still, it's still going. It's amazing to me. You're in the right place. Guilt is different from shame. Guilt is something you did. Guilt is something that you know you did that was wrong. Shame is about identity. Guilt is, I did this. Shame is, this is who I am. I'm bad. I'm dirty. I'm unlovable. Guilt is judicial. Shame is relational. Shame is believing that one is bad, that I'm unlovable. Shame is about embarrassment, humiliation, and being of low value. Shame's nothing new. We read about it first in Genesis. The first book of the Bible, in just the second chapter, shame is mentioned, actually in a good way, in verse 25. It says, The man and wife were both na naked, and they felt no shame. Then, in the next chapter, in chapter 3, they blew it. Adam and Eve blew it. 66 books of the Bible, 1,198 chapters, 4,200 years between creation, the creation of Adam, and the book of Revelation, and it only took them one chapter to blow it. Eve was tempted. She ate from the tree. She convinced her husband to do it. And then God came looking for them. God came walking through the garden. He was in relationship with them before that, and he's looking for them, and he can't find them. Why can't he find them? Somebody shouted out. They were hiding. They hid. Because they didn't want to have to face him. They knew what they had done was wrong, and they felt shame. There are plenty of stories in the Bible 
that give us examples of this. In John 4, we read about a woman whose life was a wreck. She'd been married five times. You maybe have heard of her about, as, as being called the woman at the well. And she would go to the well in the afternoon because the other women went to the well in the morning. Why did she have to go to the well in the afternoon? Because she didn't want to face the people that she knew would gossip about her, talk about her, probably snicker about her having had five husbands. She had to hide. She felt shame, and she lost relationships because of that. In 2 Samuel 11, we read about King David, who would abuse his power and sleep with a woman, another man's wife, we call that adultery. He should have been at war at the time. He got her pregnant, and then to try to cover up his shame and his sin, he had her husband killed on the line of duty. He tried to cover it up so no one would know. Shame, covering up our mistakes. Then in Luke 8, we read about a woman who actually I relate to the most of any character in the Bible, which is interesting. It was, it's a story about a woman, and it says she had an issue of blood, of hemorrhaging. And we know what that means, right? It was probably menstrual in nature. And she just, she went to every doctor she could. She'd done everything she could, and she couldn't, they couldn't figure out what it was. So for 12 years, she struggled with this. And in those days, if you bled, if you were bleeding, they considered you dirty. You were unclean. So she would have been ostracized from her family, moved out of the village, all by herself, couldn't be around anyone, isolated. Isn't that what we do when we sin and we feel shame? We isolate because we don't want to have to talk about it. These are just three biblical portraits of people who tried to hide their shame in all the wrong places. But the wonderful thing is that all three experienced God's power to break the hold of shame on their lives and to eventually, eventually be free from their shame. They each had their own experience of overcoming and finding freedom where they didn't have to hide anymore. That same freedom, fortunately, from all those years ago, is still available to each and every one of us. Many of us have stuff that we could be struggling with right now causing us to feel shame. It could be sexual in nature, could be debt, overspending. It could be an addiction. You could be self-harming. That's why you wore long sleeves tonight, maybe. It could be porn. Actually, it very likely could be porn. Over half the guys here statistically struggle with porn. Some of you guys looked at porn last night. Some of you maybe looked at porn today. And the crazy thing for me is that the highest, fastest growing segment 
of people addicted to porn right now are women 18 to 30 years old. 25% now. One out of four. That's crazy. Maybe you're struggling with your past and abortion. Maybe you're talking, uh, struggling with sexual abuse in your past. That's a tough one. One out of three ladies here and one out of six guys statistically have some sort of sexual abuse from when you were a child. Shame. I have my own stories. I've struggled with shame big time, and it can still be a subtle motivator for me. My struggles are deeply rooted in the feeling that I'm inadequate, that I'm just not good enough. I can be driven by thinking I'm unworthy. Like right now, earlier today, the enemy would just whisper in my ear, who, who are you to get up there and speak? You're not near as good a speaker as Clayton is. Certainly not near as good a speaker as Jerry is. What's a 65-year-old guy have to offer this generation? What could they possibly want to hear from you? And then what Satan always whispers to me in a situation like this is, you're not near as cool as John Mitchell. <laughs> I'll always struggle with that until I go to the grave that I'm not as cool as John Mitchell. But anyway, uh, I've had plenty. I was trying to lighten things up there a little bit, guys. I've had plenty of things going in my life that I could be ashamed of. Did you hear how I said that? Could be. Not that I do feel ashamed of, but that I could feel ashamed of because at one time I did, but not anymore. I was ashamed of my alcoholism, but not anymore. Like the woman at the well, I was ashamed of being divorced multiple times and having to tell people that, but not anymore. I was ashamed of my sexual promiscuity and immorality in my past, but not anymore. I was ashamed of abortions that I took part in, but not anymore. I was ashamed of an experience that happened when I was eight years old, going and staying at a friend's house who was ten years old, something sexual that happened under the covers after dark with two young boys just being curious about each other. But I felt shame about that. But guess what? Not anymore. The enemy has plenty of things that he tries to use on me, and I'm sure he does the same thing to you. When we're dealing with shame, there are all kinds of ways, all kinds of ways we can act out. We have, if we have this shame-based thinking, one of the ways that you can act out is you can actually like seek perfectionism. Because of your shame and your failure or your feeling of failure in one area of life, you can overcompensate and really excel at something else. So you're basically hiding behind your excellence in something else. I can remember when I was younger, I did that with running. You know, I would say to myself, alcoholics can't go out and run eight miles a day. And so I would run 
and run and run just to show how fit I was. Another thing we can do is we can be critical of ourselves and thus become critical of others because deep down it makes us feel better about ourselves. This is me. I can be negative about others if I'm feeling negative about myself because a lot of times if we don't have peace, we, we find contentment in other people not having peace or finding things to find fault with them. Another thing is we can have self-defeating thoughts. We can lower our expectations and then we self-sabotage. I will never get this right, so I might as well just drink again tonight. I'll never get this right, so I might as well just eat another half dozen cookies. I'll never get this right, so I might as well just look at this pornography one more time and masturbate to find some contentment here for five minutes because I'm going to feel shame five minutes after I'm done. Shame is a tool of the devil. He loves it and he uses it as craftily as he can. He will be precise in using it on you when it's the best time for him to use it. He wants you to feel defeated and hopeless. I know because I've been there. I no longer battle with shame, but I can still battle with the thoughts that are driven by the shame that can lead me to feel that way. And I told you, for me, it's I'm not good enough. When we're battling those thoughts, we have to cope with them and deal with them, and we medicate. And so you can either do healthy things or you can do unhealthy things. And I'm going to tell you three things that you can do that I think are healthy ways to combat shame and overcome shame. The first one is confession. Confession first to God. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. And what? Purify. Purify us from all unrighteousness. Shame makes us feel dirty. God forgives us and purifies us so we don't have to feel dirty. Then I believe we need to confess to each other. That sounds crazy, right? I've got my mentor right back here right now. Chris McKenzie is, uh, was an elder. He was the chairman of our elders when I did my 12 steps with regeneration. And I sat with him for three hours. And I confessed every sin I could think of that I had done. And it, nothing that I mentioned earlier surprised him because he'd already heard that in a three-hour conversation where I confessed everything I could think of that I needed to put in the light so I wouldn't feel shame hiding in the dark. That's what we need to do. James 5.16 tells us, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. God forgives confessing to someone else starts the healing and if you're feeling shame, you've been wounded, you've been hurt, and healing has to take place in order for you to overcome. Otherwise, you're going to walk around wounded all the time. And so we have to deal it. We have to fight the enemy on this. The third thing is we need to read and listen to and take to heart God's Word. You need to take verses, you need to write them down, you need to learn them, study them, and 
Talk, talk those to yourself. Positive self-talk. Don't beat yourself up and say, I'm never going to get it. I'm a loser. You're not. That's a lie. The enemy lies. You're listening to lies. Craig Groeschel from Life Church, who's got 30-some campuses, I think it's probably the largest church in the country now, came out with the Bible app. He leads the Global Leadership Conference. Uh, he's one of the best Christian leaders in the country, struggles with all kinds of stuff. And he does positive affirmations every day. He starts his day saying things to himself. Your day is dictated by your beliefs. What you believe is how you live. Your beliefs are your moral compass. This is vital to you overcoming shame. So we're going to read some of these together. Responsive reading. You can shout them out if you want. Don't, don't hold back if this is something you need to do. We're going to start these, and we're going to read these out loud. God's shame tells me that I am unloved. Come on. Shame tells me I don't deserve a healthy life. Shame tells me I'm just not good enough. Shame tells me I am weak. Shame tells me what I have done is so bad I couldn't possibly be forgiven. Shame tells me I am defined by my past. Shame tells me I'm dirty. Shame tells me I can never change. Shame tells me I'm all alone. Shame tells me I'm worthless. Shame tells me I'm a loser. Bodie, I'm going to stop, okay, on those. There's, there's more, but I'm running out of time. You guys could spend hours looking up these verses and finding the lies that Satan tells you and then the truth that God's Word tells you. Do you believe it, though? Do you believe those words? Do you believe what God tells you versus what Satan lies to you and tells you? 
Hebrews 12.2 tells us this. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, listen to this, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He endured the cross, and he carried that shame, your shame, my shame, the world's shame, so that we don't have to anymore. I don't have to. You don't have to. Freedom from shame because he paid the price for each and every one of us. I found a new verse when I was writing this lesson, and it's one of my new favorites now. I want you to look at this verse, and those of you that texted me, yes, that you're struggling with shame now, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about a child. And when a child does something wrong, and he knows it, and he has to go face his parents. You know, Jesus is described as Abba, Abba Father, and Abba means Daddy. Daddy, loving Father. So I want you to think about yourself struggling with your shame like a child. You're his child. And what do we do? We slouch, and what happens? Our head drops, right? So I love this verse. I love it so much that I may just go get it tattooed somewhere this week. But I think you're going to like it too. Psalm 3.3, listen to these words. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me my glory, and the what? The lifter of my head. Your Abba Father, your Daddy Father, wants to reach down, and He wants to grab you by the chin, and He wants to look in your eyes, and He wants to say, I already took care of this. I did what I did, so you don't have to carry this anymore. I am sufficient. The blood of Christ is all you need to overcome what you're trying to overcome tonight. The woman at the well divorced five times, was living with her current boyfriend, and everybody knew it. She had an encounter with Jesus Christ at the well. When she left, she knew something special had happened, and she knew that the next day she could go back to the well at 9 in the morning and look those ladies in the eye without any shame whatsoever. King David lamented his sin. He cried out to the Lord and he said, Lord, oh Lord, I've sinned against you and you alone. An adulterer, a murderer. Later in the Bible, he's referred to as a man after God's own heart. Healed, no longer having to cover anything up, no more shame. 
the woman with the issue of blood, my favorite. I don't know if you know the story or not, but she fought through the crowd. She was an outcast outside the village. For her to come into the village when Jesus was there was so risky for her because they would have just hated her being there. And yet she fought through the crowd. She got down on her knees and crawled through the people simply to get to his garment, to touch his garment, because she knew if she touched his garment, she would be healed. And instantly, instantly the shame was gone, she was healed, and guess what Jesus called her? Daughter. Only place in the Bible Jesus calls someone daughter, and it's the woman that had been bleeding for 12 years, full of shame, outcast, ridiculed, healed an heir to the king actually if Jesus is a king what happened when he called her daughter boom princess she got a crown she's royalty all because of her encounter with one man named Jesus if you're struggling with shame tonight the only way trust me I did this stuff till I was 45, guys. My biggest hope and dream tonight is that one of you, one of you, can avoid doing what I did till I was 45. Get it right. You have your whole life ahead of you. Do now what you need to do. Take the steps you need to, to take, the hard stuff. Get help. We're here. There's going to be somebody on each side that will pray with you. Guess what? You've all got my number now. So if you want to call me tomorrow and go, hey, I struggle with porn. Hey, I struggle with this. My wife's sitting right back there. All you got to do is call me and say, what's your wife's number? There's nothing you can say, tell me that you've done that is going to curl my hair. You can't curl this hair. Seriously, I've either done it myself or I've heard somebody else tell me they did it. There is no shame in confessing. That's where the healing begins. So guys, start your journey tonight. You can be more than conquerors. You need to just kick Satan out and hang on to Jesus like crazy. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, talk to these guys, talk to me, make the best decision you can ever make tonight. If you do know Jesus and you're struggling, I get it. It makes it harder. The shame becomes harder because you're going, I shouldn't be doing this. Make some decisions tonight. Talk to some people tonight and take the next step on your way to victory because Jesus Christ has already claimed that victory for you, right? Pray with me, please. Father God, I pray for each and every person here tonight. I pray for the ones that texted me, Lord, that had the courage to do that. I pray for removal of shame. Lord, I pray that they would believe the truth that is in your word, that they would hang on to it. Lord, you are sufficient. You are all we need. You're everything. And Lord, we turn to other things to fill in gaps 
to fill in the hole in our heart, to satisfy needs that are unhealthy. And Lord, all we need to do is turn to you and you alone. I pray that one decision is made tonight, one victory is claimed, and chains are broken tonight. The chains of addiction, the chains of pornography, the chains of unhealthy behavior, Lord, that we would see those broken tonight and we would no longer be slaves. Lord, I pray all of this in the precious and holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen.